Hello and welcome to the What If Movie Podcast, the movie podcast that simply asks, what if? I am Josh, a film watcher, here today with my fellow film watchers. Who do we have here with us? I'm Bryce. I'm a motion picture watcher. Whoa. A motion picture watcher? A motion picture watcher. Uh, I'm Hannah, uh, a mover watcher. A mover. I guess. Get that little reference in there. And we have a guest today. Oh. Introduce yourself, that's guest. Your, that's your cue. <laughs> it takes a while to get into the rhythm here, but that's your cue. Gotcha. All right. Well, thanks for the uh, cue. Uh, my name is Matt Grady, and I'm an IT professional, um, a professional drone pilot, and a small business owner, and a movie watcher sometimes. Good, because we're not going to be talking a lot about drone. Maybe we'll talk about <laughs> drone piloting. Maybe. I don't know. These things are tough to predict. Well, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, and today we're going to be answering the question, what if the DeLorean in Back to the Future was something else? Kind of hard to imagine, but we're going to do it. It is. It's, it's so iconic. Um, yeah, so for those of you who haven't watched Back to the Future, I guess stop listening to this and go do that. Like, who are you? What have you been doing your whole life? I, I don't know. But I don't think there's any spoiler warning necessary because you no. know the plot already, whether or not you've seen the movie. Yeah, and like our whole podcast is a spoiler. So Back to the Future, um, if, if you haven't watched it, I guess do so. What Have you been living under a rock? I, I don't know. Um, directed by Robert Zemeckis, um, I think produced by Steven Spielberg. Um, the story, Marty McFly, a high school student, um, is friends with crazy scientist Doc Brown, um, who invents a time machine, um, and it's a DeLorean. If you don't know what a DeLorean is, look that up too, I guess. Um, and Marty accidentally gets sent 30 years into the past, and hilarity and hijinks ensue. Um, yeah, I think that pretty well covers it. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, Marty has ends up accidentally preventing his parents from meeting and getting married and so a lot of the plot rotates around him then making sure they do in fact meet and get married exactly because you know time travel you don't want to go back to a future where you don't exist exactly yeah so we we clearly have established that people should have seen this movie when did you guys see this movie I feel like with most of the movies we talk about in this podcast or that we've talked about so far, I'm always like, oh, I don't really remember the first time I saw this movie. It's just been such a big part of my life. That's my impersonation of me. Spot on. I thought so. But for me, I know this is a movie that I did not actually sit down and watch for the first time until maybe a year or two ago, to be perfectly honest. But then sitting down and watching it, there were no surprises. Like I had at some point seen every scene of the movie just like, clips of or other people watching or whatnot so there were no surprises but i think the first time i actually sat down and watched this movie was just a year or two ago and i was pleased it fulfilled my expectations there you go yeah i'm i'm with you i don't really remember the first time i saw this movie it's just i think kind of like the breakfast club jurassic park is just sort of on tv a lot and you catch bits and pieces um i i really think maybe i saw the second one first oddly enough because it doesn't really matter. I mean, they, you can just jump in wherever. <laughs> right. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I saw the second one first in its entirety, but I had seen it, probably the whole first one broken up. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, it's always been around. 
What about you, Matt? You know, I think <clears throat> I can't remember the first time I ever watched it, but I think um, when it became significant, um, where I you know I watched it significantly and like from beginning to end is when, at some point, I got the actual trilogy <clears throat> box set, ah. and so I still have that. And um, actually, that's how Josh watched it. <laughs> he had to borrow my copy. <laughs> Just a smile from Josh. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I I don't know. I got really interested in it. And so I, I watched it once through, you know, and then I came back a couple times. And, and then I think what happened is I decided to listen to the commentary on the movie, too. And that's when I really got interested in and just like the little, you know, intricacies of how they came up with the story and the little pieces that they put in there. Because um, when I rewatched it for this podcast. I saw all these different pieces connecting from that you know they come in again later in the story but if if you're not watching you won't you won't even catch it. Mm-hmm. That's serious commitment watching the commentary. Like that's <laughs> how you know you're in. Yeah, I I was talking to my wife about this before before the podcast started. Um I was saying, you know, growing up with Josh and with you Bryce um knowing and Josh not with you Hannah <laughs> not with yeah, Hannah. Yeah, not, not me. I'm I'm married into this friendship. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Bryce, I've known you for like 20 years probably. Long time. And Josh probably about 15 or so. Um, but uh, Josh, I, it always struck me about Josh that he really dug into the story, you know, of things and, and, and like the introspective parts. But like, why did they put that part in the movie? What, what are they trying to say to us? What are they trying to speak to our human nature about this, you know? And I was always like, I don't care. I just want to know how they made the movie, you know? Wow, was like, I that pretentious back then? Uh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't say pretentious, but you, this is... Okay, I know the people that are listening to this right now, they can't see how I'm sitting with my finger on my on my brow like this, but Josh, this is how you watch movies. And you just, like, you analyze movies so much, and it's like it's like something that you're just very good at and passionate about, and I never caught that until um, probably <laughs> a year or two ago, but... Um, Sorry. And that's when Josh first knew that he was destined someday to become the host of one what of if... the most prominent movie podcasts <laughs> in central North Dakota and central Pennsylvania. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, to answer the question, I know I got off track, but uh, to answer the question, I... That's okay. We, we do that here if you haven't noticed. <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts of you guys' show anyway. Uh, I, I, I used to watch it a lot because I had the trilogy on DVD. And that's when I watched the commentaries and stuff. And uh, then I kind of looked into more of like, okay, what was the story of the DeLorean? Like even just as a car um, outside of Back to the Future, you know, where, how did that thing even come about? And so that's the kind of stuff that, that I kind of got interested in. Well, perfect. Yeah, we should, we should mention that we have Matthew on today because he's kind of a car guy and we figured this would be kind of right up his alley. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And because we like him and... Oh, well, yeah. Know, whatever, but like... Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'd like to hear Bryce I, I, and Josh say that because... And, like and, and now, we, now we get the, the extra goodies of you having watched the commentary and... <laughs> I know. It was a long time ago, but I'll see if I can remember. <laughs> well, you know, DVD commentary, it just tough there's not a lot of movies that i'm like man i want to watch this movie again but i want other people to be talking over it while i watch it <laughs> see and i like that that's kind of what i look forward to hmm. Hmm. i think you're weird i like the inside Josh. story <laughs> yes absolutely 
Josh, what was your first experience with Back to the Future? Uh, well, I'm going to have to take you back <gasps> Ooh. Uh, a long time ago in a, in a familiar galaxy. Uh, <laughs> actually, to a little place called Kansas, uh, where I first watched this, uh, was Kansas actually... <laughs> we're, we're not. Hey. None of us are. Uh, but uh, when I was younger than I am now. I used to live in Kansas. Knew that. Accurate <laughs> statement about the past. <laughs> Back when I was older than I am now. <laughs> um, we had uh, some friends of the family and they had these movies, all three of them already on a VHS box set. And I remember just looking at the the front cover of the three movies with Marty and the cool text and the uh, DeLorean there on the cover. And I thought, wow, those, those look like some cool movies. I hope I'm old enough to watch this. So I went and I asked him, I was like, am I old enough to watch this? Can I watch this? And say, they said, sure, you can watch it. So they put it on for me and I watched it and it was uh, awesome. And so, yeah, ever since then, every time it's on TV or anything, I'll, I'll sit down and watch any of them, uh, usually one and two, maybe I'll, you know, recircle the channels and see if there's anything else on before I decide if I'm going to watch three, but, uh, I'll, I'll sit down for sure if I see one or two on. And, uh, so yeah, I, I've seen this movie, uh, since an early time. And so the idea of the DeLorean, uh, being anything different, uh, it seems, almost blasphemous to me but uh, i'll see what we come up with i suppose i feel like it's a very rare human being who knows about the delorean as a vehicle but outside doesn't know, of... yeah <laughs> either outside of back to the future or like hasn't heard of back to the future right. like if i'm walking down the street with someone they're like hey that's a delorean and i say yeah from back to the future and they're like what i don't think like that little niche of knowing things exists yeah they're very much connected yeah like if you're aware of one you've got to be aware of the other and so again the question that we're going to be asking today is what if uh, the delorean was not the car in the back to the future movies and this was uh, prompted by another one of our listeners who uh, maybe was a little bit uncomfortable to to share her thoughts uh, on record with us, but uh, she was intrigued by this question and wanted us to dive into it. So uh, why don't we start with Matt, our guest, our guest of honor? What uh, what did you think when you heard this question? Well, when I uh, heard the question, I I uh, it's, it's it's a difficult question, <laughs> you know, to be sure, <laughs> because you know it's. I think that's a question that leads to a lot of other questions like, okay, well, are we talking about a different car or are we, and, and then, you know, Bryce and Hannah earlier, they were talking about, can it be something other than a car? Yeah. And then my question is, if it is, if it is a car, a different kind of car, can it be from any other era in time or does it have to be from the 1980s? Um, you know what I mean? It's like, so I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got some, like the subject matter of the movie gives you license, huh, pun, to pull a car from just about anywhere in time, right? Pretty much. I would much. think so. You would almost have to have the car first and then go 
to the future or someplace and get another car and then bring it back in time somehow. And then, (laughs) although, you know, back to the future isn't, I feel really a movie that concerns itself too much with time travel paradoxes, which to me is one of its strengths. Yes. Doesn't get bogged down with logic. If anything, they try and bog themselves down more in the second movie. And then those ideas that they present in the second movie, then when you rewatch the first one, you're like, well, aren't they doing that this uh, in the first one? They're just not really telling you that that's what they're doing, like creating whole new uh, timelines within going back. Just the sheer Mm -hmm. fact that they're going back. That's what they're doing in the first one. But we're not going to really talk about that till the second one. And I, I agree with you, Bryce. I think it is a strength that they're just like, this is what this universe is. And now we're going and telling our story. Yeah, I think the mo- I don't love normally love time travel as a subject and especially as a solution in movies, but the ones that do it well, I think are the ones that don't concern themselves with tying everything up real pretty and it just it just it just happens. Yeah, it reminds me of uh what you said, Bryce, in a previous podcast cuz I am a groupie. <laughs> Woo! I can totally go back and uh pull any quote out of any episode (laughs) wow not any quotes but the the good ones at least the good ones (laughs) um you were talking about uh pacific rim and how your least favorite parts of pacific rim are the parts that try to talk any sort of science into the story yeah and i think that probably the strength of this movie is that they didn't try to over explain the time travel they just had fun with it and they you know it just was more about the story Exactly. So for you, Matthew, as you were thinking about what an, an alternative car might be, did anything spring to mind for you? You know, the the only car that really sprung to my mind was the one that came first, and then nothing came after that. And it was it was uh, it was the uh, the General Motors EV one. And I don't know if you guys oh are familiar with this car. I'm gonna have to look it up. It was. I feel like I recognize the name, but there's Google. no no picture coming to mind. <laughs> It was, uh, well, the reason it comes to mind is because it was an electric car, an all-electric car made by General Motors in the mid-1990s, and um, they made it because there was some sort of uh, positive response to some sort of survey that they had done of customers um, to kind of get the get the idea of what customers would think of an all-electric car, and it was positive. Mm-hmm. And so they decided, okay, let's go ahead, go ahead and make this. But when they released it, uh, what they did was only give it out in leases. They wouldn't sell it to anybody. And okay. part of the lease agreement was that if we want to take it back, we can take it back. And so um, it was kind of a futuristic looking car. Um, it kind of had um, the back wheel wells were like halfway covered, kind of like back in the That's 50s. how you know it's futury yeah. is Absolutely. if the back wheel well is halfway covered. <laughs> it, was, it was meant to look sleek and futuristic. And, um, and I think that that's probably the, the best comparison that I can think of for a futuristic looking car from the 90s trying to replace one from the 80s. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the EV1 um, met kind of a unfortunate demise because uh, one or two or f- some of them l- lighted on fire and then mm, General, oh. General Motors was upset that it might cause really bad publicity and uh, so they took them all back and most of them were crushed and to this day, uh, there's maybe only a handful still existing. Oh, I bet they're kind of a like if if, if you you're a collector, one, yeah, like yeah. you can get your hands on one. The I holy bet that's grail. kind of a hot commodity. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the owners, well, the lessees, um, the people leasing the cars really liked them. And when 
General Motors took them back, a lot of people got very upset because they're like, well, this is my car. I like this car. This is the best car I've ever had. They really, hmm. But uh, General Motors felt they had to take it back because it was the only car that they had actually put the General Motors name on. Um, like oh. they 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 distribute cars through like GMC and Chevrolet mm-hmm. and Buick, oh. but General Motors as a corporation had never actually had their name on a car before this. Interesting. So there's all that history. <laughs> hmm. I, I'm looking at a picture of it. It's very it's very 90s future. Yeah. Like I feel like there's a, kind of a stark difference between 80s future and 90s future, and I feel like this is very 90s future in that it's. Uh, there's not any hard corners. It's all, yeah, just kind of very um, sleek and pleasant looking. But it's kind of like like your grandma's future car. Like <laughs> nothing too crazy, right? Like right. it's not it's not too fancy or anything. Yeah, no sharp edges, no. Uh, you got windows crazy. all open. You know, there aren't really any. Sections. And the doors don't open up. <laughs> <laughs> no gullwing doors. Yeah. yeah. No gullwing doors, <laughs> which is pretty key, I think, to the DeLorean. I think that's one of the reasons they chose the DeLorean yeah. was for the, the gullwing doors, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Totally impractical. Yeah, because if you try to park that uh, the DeLorean in some place very tight, I don't think you could get out of the car. Yeah, kind of a problem. Now, according, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article right now. According to this, the car's top speed was electronically limited to 80 miles per hour. Uh-oh. So it couldn't do time is, travel. <laughs> right, which is, of course, an mm. issue. But that actually, uh, so my it idea, the, the first thing that came to my mind for what car would I put in this movie, this is totally a selfish choice. And uh, you, Josh, you and Matt will... Uh, It'll resonate with you, I think. My first choice was the Chevrolet S10. I knew it. I knew we were going to. You knew it. (laughs) You knew it. My first vehicle, the four-cylinder Chevrolet S10. Um, And part of of the reason I chose this vehicle is because it has a very special place in my heart. Um, Of course, it's my... Everyone... I'm the youngest of four children. Everyone in my family's first vehicle just got passed down to everyone. Um, But also... Some of the absurdity of this vehicle doing 88 miles an hour. The uh, speedometer only goes up to 85, although I believe that was true of some of the DeLorean models, too. I think it, when you're watching Back to the Future, I think several times you see a different speedometer dial. Um, that was according to some of the IMDb trivia I was looking at. But I, I really like, actually like the idea of, in this movie, it being obviously a vehicle that's going to have an extremely hard time getting to 88 miles an hour. So it's not simply a factor of having like a long stretch of road. You gotta have a big <laughs> ramp. Right. Like we also have the thing of like, ah, crap, we need to be, you know, on top of a hill or like literally falling out of an airplane or something in order to get this up to 88 miles an hour. And so that's as if I watch this movie and imagine the Chevrolet S10 in there instead. And like in the classic nondescript brown color oh yeah yeah mine was kind of like maroon with a big gray stripe on the side yep i remember this pickup i remember i remember it being a single cab and you called it sheila sheila and i remember i remember the day you you asked me to help you put these new little hubcap uh things on it oh that's right yeah because the, the we had lost the little plastic like snap-on hubcap things yeah and we're not even talking like big wheel cover type things we're talking like uh you know the size of of a cereal bowl maybe smaller than that yeah yeah they're pretty deep they just kind of cover the the middle there yeah uh, you'd be surprised how many people you can get in this uh single the sing, uh single cab vehicle though 
Yeah, I don't think I'm surprised. <laughs> High school boys with a vehicle of any kind, they're going to fit as many people Pretty as they much. can in yep. there. So that, that's my vote for when they remake Back to the Future, which I'm told they will not do. Um, I vote for it to be remade with the 1991 Chevrolet S10. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that you that you chose that one because, like you said, it was gutless, sort of, right? Oh, yeah. It was gutless. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I remembered anyway. And when when uh, when you look into the DeLorean, the DeLorean was a four-cylinder too, but it was also gutless. You know, it was said to be very gutless, so... Um, this just I, I, that's a, another joke in itself that they picked that car you know it's like huh, yeah i was gonna ask you about that because as i was while we were watching this movie since i've seen it before i know what happens i was looking at some of the imdb trivia and one of the things they mentioned is that the delorean is perhaps one of the worst cars <laughs> ever made just in terms of like being a car yeah. and staying running uh, can you can you speak to that at all uh, what I can speak to is, is that, you know, it was a four cylinder. I don't know who made the engine, if it was DeLorean or if it was, you know, purchased through another, from another car maker. Mm-hmm. But, um, of course today, these cars are extremely collectible and oh, yeah. it's, it's big business to, to be in the restoration business with these cars. But, um, an article I saw probably a week ago was that, uh, one of the problems they're running into now you know, with restoring these DeLoreans is that they're, 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 they were rare to begin with. And now they're mm-hmm. having trouble finding engines to rebuild for them. And so sure. there's, I think, at least one company that, that now that's that's made a, or is either made a V6 engine or is putting V6 engines into these so that they have more guts, uh, which I think could be kind of interesting. I mean, if it's powerful, you know, if it, if it fits well, if it handles right as a car you know and then mm-hmm. i think i'd only want a delorean if it actually had like all the props and stuff in it with like the flux capacitor lights you, and, you oh, want the yeah, flux absolutely. capacitor yeah yeah you they know, look uncomfortable yeah. like like just to sit in it just looks not like a great car to drive around during the day i don't know it just seems like you're so low in those not about driving it seat. it's about being seen it, driving i it. guess it's yeah. the experience <laughs> Well, it's funny that you say that they're so popular now because clearly, based on what you said, it's not because of the car itself, but because of the movie. And so they really have to thank Back to the Future. Yeah, I guess that anyone for... wants them. What about you, Hannah? When you were asked this question, what uh, what ran well, through your mind? I don't know a lot about cars. Um, I, Along with Bryce, I think it's funny to have this idea of like an underpowered car, like a like maybe a VW rabbit or something that's just like so hilariously common and not a great car. Um, I also thinking about comfort and like actually wanting to drive a car. And again, this kind of like boring standard car idea, perhaps maybe just like, like the car I drive a 2003 Honda Accord. It's going to, it's going to run forever, man. Time travel's not a problem when your engine doesn't break down. And it's it's comfortable. There you go. But I also kind of like this idea of it not being a car at all. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's 
an article of clothing that you always have to wear, like a stupid looking hat or maybe Marty's puffy vest that he gets made fun of so often when he's back in the 1950s. Everyone thinks it's a life preserver. Um, Maybe it's a common household item like a toaster or even just a pen. And then there's kind of shenanigans. Maybe you get it mixed up with somebody else's pen and you're stuck and they have your time machine, but they don't know it. Um, I think there's, you know, arguably that's less cool. I think as long as you like, I I like all the, uh, these different ideas for replacements, especially like a coffee maker or something, but I really want to keep the requirement to bring it up to 88 miles miles an hour. (laughs) You just shoot yourself out of a cannon. (laughs) Once we get this coffee maker up to 88 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think to add a little excitement, right. You gotta, you gotta have some sort of, it only works when, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I think perhaps that when is always 88 miles an hour, man. Mm-hmm. Gotta do it. And when you have 1.21 gigawatts. Gigawatts, yep. Yes, the Which, gigawatts. Oh my gosh. Go ahead. I learned that uh, giga is an accepted alternate pronunciation of the prefix giga, meaning a thousand. Really? So, so he's when, not wrong. Yeah, so when Doc Brown says 1.21 gigawatts, that is um, uh, an acceptable way of saying 1.21 gigawatts. Uh, which is a an actual amount of electricity. Actually, the power plant that he used to work at produced at peak about 1.2 gigawatts. Are you kidding me? This car was... Oh, yeah. Yeah, th- this car <laughs> required... insane amount of energy. Yeah, I, I worked at uh, what, the largest power plant uh, in the state of North Dakota, like a, a very, a very, very large power plant. So if we assume that gigawatts is just Doc Brown pronouncing gigawatts in a, a different way, this is a, a lot of electricity. Which explains his reaction in 1955 when, you know, he says it's impossible. It's impossible. Right. Like Does lightning even produce that much energy? You know, I that's a weird... That's a, I'm not sure how you'd make that conversion um it probably depends on the bolt it, it probably varies. well it's like yeah because lightning's at such a huge voltage and uh, that's a but uh yeah giga giga like they come from the the same root as like you know gigantic and giant um or gigabyte like the pronunciation of the g is kind of arbitrary so we make fun of doc brown for saying gigawatts but he might just be talking about gigawatts and he may just be more up on his etymology than we there are there you go maybe so I also, um, to totally change gears here, I think it might be kind of funny if the time machine was a live animal. Like a horse? (laughs) Like a horse or a dog. And again, with this idea that you still have to get it up to 88 (laughs) miles an hour. So you like hop on your noble steed that's powered with like rockets or something. (laughs) Rocket horse. Rocket horse. (laughs) Yeah, what's what's the... uh top speed of like a cheetah cheetah hits 70 horses can like a thoroughbred i think can top out around 60 not 60 i think that's 60 i don't know maybe 40 40. but you're you're talking about thoroughbred so maybe it's more like on a racetrack i think they get pretty fast keep talking i'll look this up (laughs) we're googling this well i I hate to dive into how i uh how i approach this question because it seems rather cliche now based on what Matt observed about me earlier, but <laughs> when I watched oh the movie again for this podcast, I was thinking, okay, what uh, what does the story give us as information as to why this? Damn was it, Josh! And really, <laughs> uh, Doc Brown gives us gives us two things that he says uh, really as to why he picked this car because Marty even a asks DeLorean? him, a DeLorean, a DeLorean, yeah, yeah, and he says. 
he says, well, if you're going to tra uh, travel, why not do it style. with some style? And then he also stainless says that the stainless steel construction made the flux dispersal, and then he just kind of stopped. Started getting shot at. So again, <laughs> kind of what Bryce was saying, you know, they kind of throw out these science-sounding words, but don't actually get into the technical... Which is a great way to do uh, it. Yeah, because they just get mm -hmm. cut off by some sort of emergency, and then, oh, well... We have it figured out, yep. we just don't have time to tell you. <laughs> right. There is science, but we're not going to try to justify it to you. Yeah, yeah. We'll just interrupt it with some Libyan terrorists and totally just yeah. <laughs> take your attention over here for a little bit. But yeah, Josh, I'd been thinking about that too, that uh, stainless steel um, little factoid that gets cut off. How did that affect what you it, your thoughts? Well, so then I thought, well, so does that mean if you're going to just... Ex exchange it with another car that has a stainless steel body then i'd have to look up uh cars that fit that description i didn't I, I didn't really want to do that i you guys are car guys bryce and matt i uh, i'm not I, wait I bryce is a car guy you didn't know that about me did you <laughs> well, <laughs> well okay um, hang on but i do remember okay i do remember when bryce got his brand new chevy malibu in high school i remember that this. was pretty exciting i remember Getting in the car with you and not knowing what was about to happen because I probably wouldn't have gotten in the car with you if I knew this was going to happen. But you decided hey, you were hey, going to take me on. This, to, we were this go story doesn't sound right. <laughs> I don't remember any of this happening. We were going to your your farm to have lunch or something, and all of a sudden you got this wild. Sounds made up. I grew up in an apartment <laughs> in Pennsylvania. No, um, you decided to see if you could get the car to 100 miles an hour. Um, yes, and, and I did, as I recall. Yes. And I, I was I, we did with you in the car. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And to this day, every time I drive that stretch of road, I have flashbacks. <laughs> uh, I see my life I mean, pass yeah. before my eyes. If that's the only qualification for being a car guy, I think like 80% <laughs> of right? the population. You know, I, I, I would not describe myself as a, as a car guy by any means. But I think the list one does the matt do you know does the delorean actually have a stainless steel body it does and two if it does okay i feel like that's a very short list of cars um vehicles that have that like, yeah i think it's very short stainless steel is expensive yeah yeah i um he wanted to do stainless steel so that um the panels would be easily swappable i think was what it was uh and then i think he being the the designer the of the car mr delorean mr. delorean um, but the problem with stainless steel is that it's really hard to paint. So you just end up with a brushed stainless steel exterior because oh, okay. it just it doesn't the paint doesn't stay on very well. All right, Josh, we've interrupted you again. Sorry, bro. Keep, Sorry Josh. This I know this is going somewhere great. <laughs> By the way, world record top speed of a horse fifty five miles per hour. I was pretty close, y'all. Sixty was a little overestimating. I I'll give you that. Over a short sprint. <laughs> yeah, they can't they can't maintain that. Neither can cheetahs. Anyway. <laughs> so I just decided to come at the question as what else could it have been aside from a car? And I was reading some behind the scenes things as well. And they were thinking of a refrigerator, uh, but they didn't want kids to get themselves stuck in refrigerators after yeah. seeing the movie. A wise choice. So, uh, but then Spielberg actually took that idea and applied it to uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And that worked out well. Uh, yes. Okay, for people who don't know what you're talking about, like me, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, the fourth Indiana Jones movie. Oh, and and okay. you know what? I'm completely okay with you not uh, 
knowing what we're talking about. Well, I appreciate the grace. <laughs> um, but in that movie, they use a refrigerator as a means to survive a uh, nuclear okay, fallout. Yes, I've seen this. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not just nuclear fallout, like nuclear explosion. Like this refrigerator gets blown through the air, tumbles, you know, hundreds of feet or whatnot. Harrison Ford is fine because it's lead lined. Kids don't <laughs> climb in a refrigerator if there's a nuclear bomb coming. It's no. not going to help. <laughs> that's that's maybe a movie we could talk about sometime. Ooh. Well, then we have to watch it. <laughs> Good point. So. Yeah, thinking of ideas of what it could be other than a car, what sort of time travel thing could we uh, device, or or as Hannah suggested, living creature, I guess. Um, <laughs> I I thought maybe a closet. Or a wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> or a wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, either or, um, and I was thinking about this just because I had recently rewatched the another time travel movie or movie that uses time travel in it but is more of a romantic comedy and that's the movie About Time. Have not seen it. Um, and that one takes it applies time travel a little bit more personably. It It's just this family. The men in this family are able to time travel within their own lives and so it adds some restrictions to hmm. the ability of their time traveling. Uh, but the way that they do it is they have to go into a closet, clench their fists, think about the time that they want to go back to, and then when they open their eyes up again, then that's where they are. But they're still uh, in the closet? No, then okay. they're in... Uh, yeah, they're still in that closet. And hopefully they like still own the house? or <laughs> I guess you said well, within they're, their lives. They're only beholden to yeah time that was in their lives. Gotcha. So they can only go back to other parts of their life. Yeah, but they could still um, be in a time in their lives where the house is not there, right? Sorry, I'm poking holes in a story we're not even talking about, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, they could, but it's, I guess, not not integral to that plot that they're telling or that story that they're telling. Anyways, uh, since Doc Brown is creating this uh, that headgear thing mm -hmm. and he's trying to read people's minds, you know, I thought it'd be interesting if maybe he dived more into the. Uh, psychology of minds and maybe being able to time travel you know with your mind like he seems to fail at so many things and uh, so what if that was something that he was able to get right uh, hitting his head on the toilet and uh, so maybe unlocking something in your mind that was able to allow you to time travel yeah that kind of time traveling in everyone's minds is like an interesting notion to me just because then potentially, and of course, with a movie like this, because of all the possibilities that time travel does open, there's always kind of fan theories about, you know, like how, um, why don't um, Marty's parents recognize him or do they actually? But if you have that, if you make it canon within the movie that we're like time traveling in or using everyone's minds, there's the possibility that when you go into the past, you're going back and not necessarily altering like, the physical world, but just the way everyone remembers the past, which is as good as altering the physical world. Um, it would, and that potentially just open up kind of a weird uh, area of speculation in the series. Yeah, I kind of making it a little more cerebral than it is now. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but you could almost go with uh, go in a direction like sort of like Shutter Island. You guys were talking about that earlier, too. Yeah. Podcast, you do listen. I do. I didn't just make it up. I listened. 
um, you could actually have the story end with, you know, oh, it was maybe that was all just in Doc Brown's head. None of that actually happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it we need more of that in the movie verse. <laughs> but this happened. This came out before that movie, so it, it would have been new. Yeah, that's, right. That's true. Right. Yeah. You know, I think as Hannah and I were watching this, one thought I had and thinking forward to the podcast, I feel like any change we suggest to this movie potentially makes it a worse movie. Um, just you know, not to say that it's like the perfect movie. But like it's uh, there's nothing in this movie that just jumps out at me. It's like, oh, that would be better if like it's just a, it's a well put together movie. I get the feeling of um, maybe as a person who's better at analyzing the uh, movie for a movie, Josh, maybe you disagree. But I definitely had that thought in here like, oh, anything we change, that'll be fun. That'll be neat for conversation. But I don't think we can actually improve this movie. No, I, I agree with you, Bryce, because if you're going to change the vehicle or, or the means of time travel, you're really going to change the rest mm-hmm. of the story uh, because really, and I, I thought about this too while rewatching it was aside from those lines early on when Doc Brown uh, is um, explaining this to the video camera, the car is just kind of there again. And we don't really put really any sort of uh, attention on the DeLorean again, except for when he goes back initially and they say, oh, it looks like a, mm-hmm. a spaceship from outer space in the little kids' comic books. But after that, because uh, yeah. it's all hidden away for the rest of the movie until they need it again to, to get him back. So the rest of the movie doesn't really need to focus on the means of transportation. Um, and so if you change that, you know, then you're probably going to get a very different story as a whole, too. Unless... Uh, like you guys first suggested, that you just swap out the car for something else and don't necessarily change uh, it being a vehicle that they use right. to go back in time. Yeah, I, there's a there's a movie that it was not nearly as good as Back to the Future. I think it was called Clock Stoppers or Watch Stoppers or something like that. It, oh, Clock, yeah, stoppers? Clock Stoppers? Yeah. Sounds like a yeah. new dance movie. Have, it like, is. Watches, right? That. So, so the way that worked is that, yeah, they all they well, there was one watch. I believe there was only one that was manufactured by this, you know, evil corporation that this kid's dad worked for, and he got a hold of the watch, and actually it didn't stop time. The watch made him move, uh, super fast, so fast that it seemed like all of the other time was going slow around him. So he could do all these things, and then he could go back and bring himself into real time, and then all of these things that he had done it's kind of like quicksilver sure. uh like quicksilver in days of future past how uh he's going really fast and then when he stops then everything sort of reacts to whatever he did while he was going super fast uh and in that movie the thing about it was that you can only spend so much time in this other space where he's going fast because you age that rapidly or something like that or it affects your body going that fast for so long a period of time something like that but yeah that that was a movie yeah it was a movie <laughs> it was like the 90s it was a movie that was made but i remember that in that movie the the watch the special watch i believe was stolen by a bad guy if i remember right is that right josh I think. Yeah, uh, sure. So, I mean, that kind of, I mean, the DeLorean is never stolen in the first Back to the Future, but, I mean, Biff, of course, takes it in the second movie, I think. Second movie? I mean, 
N- never stolen as far as we know. I mean, if Doc Brown's willing to steal plutonium, <laughs> like then stealing a DeLorean is, is nothing. So I don't, I don't think we can. Yeah, where did he get the DeLorean? Hey, there's a chance this thing is not registered with the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles. I mean, it did lose its license plate. It did. Wow. You know, and I think it's interesting. One of the things, one of the reasons I think the DeLorean works so well as a time machine is because it doesn't inherently have to do with time. You know, on like a, a clock or a watch or something, it's not like, oh yeah, look, a DeLorean, time. I mean, we do that now, yeah. but there's not like this... Um, inherent association with it. And so it is a little slapdash and fun, which is what uh, a lot of this movie is. And it's, you know, we were taught, we've been talking kind of all the way through this about movies unsuccessfully and successfully using um, science jargon. It's interesting to me how, um, how much the numbers in this movie have stuck in people's heads. Like pretty much everyone knows that 88 miles per hour is the speed uh, that you need, that the DeLorean needs to go to achieve time travel. Pretty much everyone knows that it's 1.21 gigawatts is the amount of energy that you need. Um, and it's just like for all the um, different sci-fi movies that throw different numbers around, you know, and often just intentionally meaning to make them sound big, most of those don't stick with us. Um, but these have, and that's interesting to me. And I wonder if the the makers of the film, when they're making it, if they how much they knew that would be the case, or if they're just like, ah, this seems like a, a plausible or even implausible number. I don't know. I, I think know, it man. speaks to how much everybody likes the movie and rewatches the movie that mm-hmm. these numbers stick out, and so I think it's just sort of a uh, an effect of how good this movie is as it stands with the DeLorean as um, as its time machine, and so touching that or uh, changing that, I think would maybe would have uh, some sort of impact on the way that people would have. Uh, viewed this back when it came out well i think there's humanity always kind of has this like fascination with the future right i mean that's and that's even in this movie the back in the 1950s people are reading sci-fi kind of for the first time and all the spacemen and aliens and and we're still thinking about the future and you know populating mars and you know trying to get humanity into space i mean like this idea never goes away and futuristic things are always mm-hmm. cool. Um, and so potentially if you do put something mundane in place of the DeLorean, you lose a little bit of that inner human fascination with future yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does kind of reference our aesthetic expectations mm-hmm. for the future because the DeLorean is a, a futuristic looking car, definitely a, a vision of the future from a particular time, but it's a car that says, I look like the future. Exactly. And there's bleeps and bloops and lights and and a flux capacitor. Flux capacitor. <laughs> I could also see like one of the, the older models, uh, Rolls Royce, like from the movie Arthur or something oh, yeah. like that. You know, one of these real um, rich folks that your chauffeur would drive you around New York because that car does not say fast. Yeah. I feel like that'd be kind of a, an interesting aesthetic to play with. Fancy. You have to wear a top hat while you're inside of it. Otherwise, it won't work. It only works with the top <laughs> hat. But I think you're right, Josh. And if this conversation in this movie should teach us anything, it's that um, small changes to a movie or to the past can have big consequences. Ooh. See what I did there? Kind I of did. Tied everything Bringing together. it back around. <laughs> I, uh, I, did, I did have one uh, little snip tidbit of, of information that I remembered when we were talking about this DeLorean. Lay it on me. Um, 
Well, it's not actually even about the DeLorean. It's about that scene, that opening scene um, after Marty uh, has left Doc Brown's house um, and, 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 you know, received the call from Doc and Doc says, hey, I need you to meet me at the the mall parking lot tonight, right? But he the realizes... Twin Pines Mall, yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he realizes, oh, shoot, I'm late for school because Doc totally, like, set the clocks back five minutes or something, right? 25, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he, he, what he does is he gets a skateboard out, something that was really kind of an eighties thing in the, in, in America at the time. And, and he, he grabs onto the back of a Jeep and uses it to pull himself faster than mm-hmm. he can skate. One thing I learned from listening to the, to the commentary was that that part of the movie was censored in Australia because kids in Australia had not figured that out yet, that they could grab onto ah. the back of the car. <laughs> And get to where they wanted to go quicker. And so the, the authorities in Australia didn't want kids to start doing that. So they cut that part out of the movie in Australia. You know, that's probably, for me, that's a <laughs> maybe a more reasonable concern than not wanting to have it be a fridge. Because you don't want to inspire kids to crawl in the fridge. Like, I bet a lot of kids did grab onto the back of moving vehicles on their skateboard. Because they yeah, saw it in back Later on the in the movie, he grabs onto the back of a police car, too. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> So they didn't quite take out all of the, uh, the Don't bad try ideas. this at home. Yeah. Well, those have been our thoughts and insights into how we could change Back to the Future by taking out the DeLorean and replacing it either with another vehicle or another object. And so we would love to hear what uh, you all, the listeners, would do or could do or would like to do to this movie to change the DeLorean. And I also want to give a special thanks to Matt... Uh, for being here with us today, and we've really appreciated your uh, your commentary on this question. Everyone, be like Matt. Yeah. Listen to the What If Movie Pod. <laughs> oh, that's my best characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought so. <laughs> Gee, thanks. And what are we talking about next time, Josh? Uh, next time, next time we are going to be answering the question... What if 10 Cloverfield Lane excluded the Cloverfield connection? Okay. Mm. So the last so just 10, 10 lane. or 15 minutes. What if it was 10 lane? 10 lane. It would be like a bowling alley, in my opinion. Oh. I've never seen the movie. Sounds like, sounds like Matt's not on the next episode. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to have to watch the movie before our next release, man. Get with the program here. I know. I th- Josh told me about it like last night, and I was like, I've never seen this movie. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that'll be interesting because that's definitely the the most controversial aspect of that mm-hmm. movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Is the last fifteen minutes or so. I'm excited to see I'm, what we think, and I'm just glad to have an excuse to watch it again. And we would like to hear what you think on social media: Facebook.com/slash What If Movie Pod, or on Twitter at What If Movie Pod. Matt. Uh, We'll let you throw in a shameless plug here, if you'd like. Oh, about my, my business, my endeavors? Is that what we're talking about? Well, anything you want, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I don't think I need to do that, uh, unless you have questions about how drones work and things like that. But uh, it's kind of straightforward. I mean, maybe I will someday. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, when you do, if you ever do, you can have me back on the show. <laughs> All right. All right. Have you on for? The, there's got to be like some a kind of drone, drone movie coming. Yeah. There's such a such a thing now. When drones attack. 
like a remake of of birds. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Yeah, yeah that's but with drones. <laughs> Just call it drones. Well, yeah, because they can make these drone these drones swarm. You know, and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big packs of uh, you know. Sounds two. terrifying. That's like it's not a great idea. But it's also not a... I, I would watch that movie. Uh, I'd, yeah. I'd Netflix that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go see it in theaters, but... It sounds kind of like a sci-fi, made-for-sci-fi yes. channel type like movie. Snakes on the plane kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, produced in on Canada for really cheap and then sent to, the Ameri- <laughs> sent to America to but, sci-fi. But like Matt said, you could do this almost all with practical effects now yeah. because you can make drones do that. This might be a documentary in not too long. Yeah, <laughs> And we'll talk about it here on the What If Movie Pod. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.